Okay, Bible and Daily Lifers, here we are. We are going through the New Testament in a year, and we are in Mark chapter 11. Uh, Monday through Friday, 10 to 12 minutes a day. Start anywhere. You know, it doesn't matter. You don't need to start at the beginning. Just start where we are and keep going through. And when you get to the end, if uh, you didn't do the beginning, then loop through and go to the beginning. So here we are, Mark chapter 11. This is going to bring us into what's known as the last life. The last life, yeah, the last week of the life in the ministry of Jesus. So um, we're entering into those last seven days. Now, the Gospels, each one of them, spends, you know, about 25%, maybe up to 30% of the Gospels are spent on this particular week. It's called Passion Week. Um, passion meaning suffering. I don't know how that word uh, evolved the way that it evolved, but uh, that's what it means. So here we are. So as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Now, um, if you can picture in your mind sitting on the Mount of Olives and looking straight across and you'll see the city of Jerusalem. So you're on that hill called the Mount of Olives. Now, they grew olives there. That's why it's called the Mount of Olives. <laughs> you look straight across, you see the city of Jerusalem. But in order to get to the city of Jerusalem, you need to go down this steep hill. You need to go through the Kidron Valley, and then you need to come up. That's why they always say, let's go up to Jerusalem, because you go up the hill. So you go down the hill from the Mount of Olives, across the valley, up the hill, into the city of Jerusalem. Now, these guys are staying outside of the city of Jerusalem. They're there for the Passover. This is the biggest celebration. This will be the third time Jesus and his disciples have been to the Passover. Hundreds of thousands of people there. It's going to be a bloody weekend as they, they sacrifice all of these lambs there. Uh, there's no place for them to stay in the city, just like there was no place for Jesus to stay in Bethlehem when he was born. Just a lot of travelers there. And, and he's got a big group of people. So you can imagine, you know, where do you put this big group of people? But uh, they're coming in and out of the city every day. And so we'll see that as we go through the next chapters, they're coming in and out of the city every day. So as they approach Jerusalem, they're up on the Mount of Olives and near uh, Bethany and Bethage. And Jesus said to them, go into the village ahead of you. And just as you enter, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here to me. If anyone asks you why you're doing this, say the Lord needs it and he'll send it back to you shortly. Now, two things here. Either this was a miracle or Jesus had already prearranged this, that they would go and get this colt. Now, He's going to come down the, what they call the Palm Sunday Road. They call it Palm Sunday because uh, we call it Palm Sunday. It wasn't called Palm Sunday then. It's called Palm Sunday now. And so in Zechariah, it prophesies that Jesus would come into Jerusalem, being their king, and he would be coming on this donkey. So this is the fulfillment of a prophecy. So either he set it up or it was a miracle. The guy said, you know, just go ahead and take it. Um, I've always thought, you know, maybe you should try this at the car dealership. You should go down and just... Uh, you know, take a car, and if they say, you know, what are you doing? You could just say, well, you know, the Lord the Lord has need of it. <laughs> and you never know. Maybe they'll give it to you. Who knows? Maybe, maybe either they'll give it to you or the police will come and get you. I don't know. You take your chances. <clears throat> so anyway, they go, and this happens. Well, verse 4, they found a colt outside in the street, tied in the doorway, just like Jesus said. And they untied it, and some people there said, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing with that untying that colt? And they answered as Jesus had told them, uh, and they let it go. And when they brought the colt to Jesus, they threw their cloak over it, and he sat on it. Now, this is a big deal that, that they throw the cloak over it. Now, why is it a big deal? 
because the cloak was the most important thing that you had. Everybody had a cloak, and uh, you didn't have a big wardrobe. You didn't have all of these walk-in closets, unless you were a king. And your cloak you'd use for everything. You'd use it to sleep in. You'd use it to keep you warm. Uh, you'd use it throughout the day. And, you know, it would go down to your feet, and you have a belt around your waist. And, you know, when you needed to walk or travel, you know, you could pull it up and, you know, hang it, hang it over the belt. But the cloak was very, very valuable. And so the idea that they take a cloak and throw it on this donkey is a real act of worship. They're giving something very, very valuable in order for Jesus to come into the city to be declared king. Coronation kind of a thing. So pretty amazing that they were doing that. When they brought the cult to Jesus, they put their cloaks on it. And many people spread their cloaks on the road. This would be an amazing thing that you would throw it on the road and maybe it gets thrown on, on somebody else's. And then you know, Jesus comes down on the donkey and the donkey's walking on your cloak and then all these people behind it, you know, stepping on it. It might be you'll never go back and find that cloak again, that you gave it and that's the end of it. And uh, it says many people spread their cloaks on the road and some spread branches that they had, uh, that they had cut in the fields. Well, this is why they call it Palm Sunday, because they're spreading branches, kind of doing the red carpet treatment so that when he comes down, he's got this bed of branches and cloaks and the red carpet and he's coming into town coming into the city uh what kind of branches were they they putting down palms why did they put palms because that's what grows there so so that's why we call it palm sunday because this is on sunday the last life and week of jesus ministry and again the gospel spend 25 30 percent of the time on it and they were shouting hosanna which means save now or hosanna however you might want to say it Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. So they believed that the king was coming and he was going to sit on the throne of, in Jerusalem, be the rightful king of Israel, and get rid of Rome. Hosanna in the highest. King David, wonderful time again. You know, greatest king. You know, King David on the throne. Judge Washington on the throne. Abraham Lincoln on the throne. And Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. And he looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now, get this picture. Jesus comes into the temple area with his disciples, and he's looking around. But it's late. It's time to go back. So we don't know all of the activities that went on on that particular day, but we do know that Jesus is coming in. He's in the temple area, and he sees what's going on in the temple area. He doesn't like it. He's going to come back tomorrow. So, Verse 12, tomorrow, Monday. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find if it had any fruit. And when he reached it, he found it had nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. And then he said to the tree, although it looked like it was, um, may you never bear fruit from you again. And the disciples heard him say this. So um, Jesus looking for fruit. Some people say that this is a picture of ancient Israel, that Jesus came looking for fruit. He didn't see any fruit, couldn't find the fruit. You know, you would have had some expectation that there would be fruit, especially out of, uh, after all of this time. And so this thing is now being taken from Israel and it's going to go to the Gentiles. The Gentiles mean the rest of the nations of the planet, on planet Earth. So on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts where he had been the night before. And he began driving out those who were buying and selling there. Well, what were they buying and what were they selling? Well, they were buying and selling uh, animals because people were coming to sacrifice animals. Now, if you were coming from 100 miles or 75 miles, you didn't want to drag a, a, 
a lamb with you because you're going to sacrifice a lamb. So you don't want to bring little, you know, Muffy from the flock with you and all the hassle of, you know, walking 100 miles with her. So when you would get to the temple area, you would be able to buy a lamb to sacrifice. And, you know, maybe you came from a different land. Maybe you came from someplace where the money was a little bit different. And if you know this, if you've ever been to a foreign country, it's kind of changed now with uh, everything is electronic. But but it used to be that you would go and you, you would get the best exchange rate that you could get. If you had dollars, you would go and see, you know, the best rate that you can get for your dollars. So when people were bringing their money and changing it into temple money, they were just charging them these exorbitant rates. So they're ripping off the people that are coming to worship. They're ripping off the worshipers. They're taking advantage of the worshipers. This is no new thing to take advantage of the worshipers, to take their money, to do all kinds of schemes to get their money out of them. Jesus didn't like it. And, and they're buying and selling, and they're selling for expensive prices. So he overturned the money at the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. You know, a dove, if you're a poor person, that's what you would buy. So taking advantage of the poor, Jesus doesn't like you to take advantage of the poor. Don't take advantage of the poor. Take my word for it. Read the book of Proverbs. Read through the Bible. Don't take advantage of the poor. If that's you, if you're doing things, taking advantage of poor people, I'd advise you to stop. Jesus doesn't like it. And he wouldn't allow anyone to carry any merchandise through the temple courts. Get out of here. You know, stop doing this. You know, this is the place you're supposed to be worshiping, and what they're doing is just selling stuff. So I don't think that this is the same as a Christian bookstore or buying, you know, Christian goods on, on Amazon, uh, Christian marketplace. But, but there's certainly a place where people are taken advantage of by being sold stuff. You know, some people say there's, you know, stuff out there called Jesus junk. You know, you just uh, junky stuff that you're just selling in the name of Jesus. Well, stop it. And he wouldn't allow them to uh, carry merchandise. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've turned it into a den of robbers. Now, this is interesting. The word nations there is ethnos, uh, where we get our word ethnic. So it was supposed to be a place where everybody would worship from all places. And it was in this area. You see, there was a place called the Court of the Gentiles. And in the Court of the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people could come and worship there. But what's happened is the buyers and the sellers and the ripoffs have, have all taken over that territory so that the Gentiles can't come in to worship. Well, once Jesus cleanses that area, gets rid of them, now those people can come in to worship. And so sometimes we call this revival, you know, where there's a cleansing of what's going on, where we're getting rid of our sin, we're getting rid of all of our bad practices, and, and it allows people to come in. And the church does need cleansing. The church does need some things taken away from us that uh, keep other people away. And the chief priests and the, and the teachers of the law heard about this, and they began looking for a way to kill him. They were to kill him because he did this. For they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. And when evening came, he and his disciples went out of the city. Now, it does say in some of the other Gospels that after Jesus cleansed the temple— um, that, you know, the blind and the lame were coming to him and he, and he healed them. So, again, it is true that sometimes we need to just get all of the nonsense out of the church. We need to get the, all of the nonsense out of our presentations. We need to get, you know, all of the nonsense out of our meetings, you know, out of our vocabulary so, so that people that are needy, people that are hungry, people that are thirsty, people that are broken can come to Jesus. Let's cleanse the temple. Let's uh, get all that junk out of there and make it, make it easy for people. 
So then that brings us to the next day again, right? So when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. So that was what he did that day. And boy, did it create a trouble for them all. In the morning, verse 20, they're coming back into town again. As they went along, they saw the fig tree, and it was withered from its roots. And Peter remembered that. And he said, Rabbi, look, that tree that you cursed is withered. And Jesus said, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea, but does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it'll be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you've received it. It'll be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you. Ooh. Yeah. This is, uh, you know, what Jesus also told us in what's known as the Lord's Prayer, which is really the disciples' prayer, that uh, we should pray daily. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. So the implication there seems to be that you pray every day. And when you pray every day, you should be asking for forgiveness every day. You should be asking God to forgive you for your sins, the things that you have done. And you should be asking God to uh, forgive those who have sinned against you. That's the way you keep it clean. That's, that's the way you keep from your blood pressure going up. That's the way you keep from driving yourself crazy. That's, that's how, how you go keep, keeping your conscience clear and your mind clear and, and being, being able to just have a nice night's sleep. Uh, do you think that Jesus wants you to have a nice night's sleep? I think he does. <laughs> so forgive. Forgive. Ask for forgiveness and forgive. And do it every single day. Why do it every single day? Because it happens every single day. There's something going on every single day day. So uh, we'll continue uh, going on through the Gospel of Mark. So uh, bless you guys. Uh, find us wherever you found us, uh, Bible and Daily Life. And sometimes there's little extra things that we do, and maybe you can find some of those too and, um, and enjoy those. So uh, let's keep working through the New Testament. It's fun. Jesus is fun. Jesus is a blast. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Bless you guys.